Hello, welcome back to the Fast and the Curious 2024 season preview. This is part two, so if you've missed part one, there is so much that you need to catch up on. So go back and go and listen to it because you might find out why we are sat in Karun Chandok's kitchen eating curry and listening to him boil the kettle. Um, but in this section, we are going to talk all about predictions and will Lewis Hamilton get his fairy tale ending at Mercedes? You know, just before we do that, should we just say cheers, Karun? Thank you for having us. Cheers. Keep, keep grazing. I, got, otherwise, I'll have to eat this for the rest of the week. You've got to look at each other in the eye when you cheers. This is true. I'm sorry. Seven years. So. Goes to New York for two nights and comes back and thinks she can rule all social occasions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can. Hey, <laughs> really? How was New York? It was amazing. Yeah, it was um, like 24 hours in New York, but it was it was brilliant. I was going to say you tired because it was a proper whirlwind trip, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, I do feel quite tired. But it was just, yeah, incredible. Well, what's the livery looking like then? It's a nice livery. Most of them are black. Like, they're all black. You know what? Yeah. I was looking at that. It's a, they're all trying to save weight and, and paint adds weight. I get that. But my view of it is it looks a bit crap, actually. And if you're trying to sell yourself to the world and the sponsors and all that, it yeah. looks a bit crap. Yeah. And... Let's not forget the car that won how many races last year? Uh, well, 22 out of 23. Yeah, that was in black. For those who don't like the black paintwork, I'm told Ferrari won't be letting us down. Woo! But <laughs> Could someone... you imagine the national <laughs> uproar yeah. of Ferrari's Ferrari gone being black? black. <laughs> but I've, I've been told it's a bit different to last year as well, and, and I've heard good rumours about it, Ferrari's it, paint job. They must have painted that colour. Is that their? Is that Ferrari red? Is that their actual? We've had other red cars over the years. No, but that no, red. But they. But they've changed. It's all it must. Ferrari as a brand must have rights to that paint, that exact well, hue. The, the, the Ferrari red of the Michael Schumacher era compared to the Ferrari red of uh, the Fernando Alonso era was subtle difference. On on the paint thing, someone at Williams told me that one season, don't know which season it was, but they had lots of paint on the car. Halfway through, they were in the garage scraping it off before If you're chasing racing, the weight, Just yeah. trying to chase his yep. weight. The but, fine but margins. That, but that, to me... So they did that. It didn't exactly transform their season, did it? Oh, no. You know, so so to me, if you, when you get to that point, it's you're, you're sort of clutching at the last few straws, which is what <laughs> yeah, F1 is all about. Good point. Which is what F1 is about, yeah, pushing boundaries point. and finding yeah. marginal gains, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I wish we hadn't painted it. But, but, won. but actually, I just go back to the Red Bull was not black. <laughs> also, Very this, good point. also, this happens at F1 a lot. One team does something. Mm. All the other teams do something, and then at some point, the FIA or Formula One go, no, don't do that. F1 will have looked at the teams doing all of this and gone, oh, for goodness sake, these are all a bit dull. And I do think, therefore, I don't think this will carry on. I think either the FIA or F1 or a combination of the two will go, okay, from next year, you can only have a minimum of 30% of the car exposed carbon because we don't want a load of black cars. You know what I think will happen? They'll, they'll come up with some overly complicated way of saying, yes. this is the minimum weight of the yes. car without the weight they of will. the paint. Oh. And now oh. the weight of the paint is extra or some nonsense. They'll come up with some <laughs> extremely complicated way to fix the problem of saying, stop making the cars yeah. look I've seen, a, a, I saw a very funny tweet from Alex Jakes, <laughs> who's the Channel 4 and um, F1 TV commentator. Who, uh, ex- Not the Alex. Alex. Oh no, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Don't do it. Poor old Alex Jakes, a nice man, uh, saying that he was slightly dreading turn one in Bahrain, a night race, dark night sky, 
turn one, first one of the season, with 20 black cars going into the first corner. <laughs> the only so, one you can see is yeah, Ferrari yeah. in the middle. <laughs> well, the Ferrari's doing okay, I think. <laughs> so moving on to the 2024 season, something I want to ask Corinne's wisdom on is the question that I get asked most. And I sort of fudge my answer because I don't fully know, Corinne. I want to know if you know. Have you asked Dan Fellows? I've not <laughs> asked Dan Fellows. <laughs> I've not asked Alex Jakes. I just... I just need to say this now. That is never going away. No, no, it's not. No, we're going to have to get him on the podcast. And now, also, won't we? every time you say a name that me and Betty don't know, that is going to come back. Good. Right. Well, this season will be less enjoyable than the <laughs> previous year. Yeah, it's already going well. Um, is there any hope of Red Bull not winning the world championship in one way, shape, or form? And if not, will it be a bit closer? I think it's on Mercedes. I, I think for me, all of us who want an exciting season need to be cheering on Mercedes to have got their car concept right for this year. You know, James Allison was very open and quite candid about what he thought the issues were last season. And, you know, the, they he, you know, talked about how the changes they made and they're going to make it a bit what, different. What, briefly, what were their issues last season? Briefly, because Betty's not that interested, you understand, Corinne, so briefly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's about the, you know, the centre of gravity and the ride height. It was slow. Uh, it was slow. Yeah. No, listen, they, if you go back to 2022, they were bouncing a lot. To fix the bouncing, they lifted the car up. Um, and then they went in a direction for 2023 to control the bouncing. It's aerodynamics, basically. Something really interesting to me there, Corinne, because bear in mind... In the last part, we said the Mercedes and the Ferrari cars weren't that different last year, but Lewis made the difference. So why, therefore, do you think it's on Mercedes this year? Do you not see Ferrari making that step? Because people talk about progress under Fred Vasseur, yeah. and they've got good drivers. Why do you not think they're quite up to the level of challenging that Mercedes are? It's just history. I don't mm -hmm. know. It's just It's been very hard to to reliably count on Ferrari to put together a championship challenge. They, have, they haven't won a championship since 2008. Why is he f joining them then? This is mad. <laughs> I, it is mad for, for an outsider. Yeah. I, know, I know the history and you want to, everyone wants to drive a Ferrari, but that's not, that's not the direction of travel for Ferrari, paper. Ferrari, is it? Uh, eventually, Ferrari will come back. And this is another thing. I, I think will they? Well, I think yeah, there's well, a little... So well, well, long enough, so will yo-yos. <laughs> no, but that... that, that <laughs> But if you're a football manager, like Manchester United have been crap for a long time. And I do think if you're a football manager, there's a thing, well, somebody eventually will turn them around. So people like Eric Ten Hag go, I'd love that to be me. Is that with Lewis Hamilton? Someone would eventually turn this yeah, BMW round. Yeah, I'd like it to be me. You can't Maybe. compare Ferrari and Manchester United. Jesus, no, Manchester United's crumbling left, right and centre. No, you can't. But maybe... Vettel thought, I want to be the one to turn it around. Couldn't. Maybe Alonso thought between. Maybe Hamilton thinks that. Because logic suggests, well, eventually Ferrari will win another championship. But you're very right to say, well, maybe they, and maybe the, they won't. But, and the cyclical nature of sport as well. Because, you know, you, you have to go to the, the bottom, like Man United are mm. crumbling and need to rebuild to get back up to where they want to be. So maybe that is... Yeah, but in the doing. last 50 years of the sport, they've only won... Really, in two eras. One was when Nicky Lauda basically dictated the terms and told them what to do in the 70s with Montezemolo. And the other was when the, in the Schumacher era. But the Schumacher era came with Schumacher, Ross Braun, Rory Byrne, John Todd. Who John Todd was an extremely underrated team principal. It was a dream he was a, team. He was a brilliant man. But he took, you know, he pulled his 20 people from other teams as a dream team. At that time, the rules were much more open. So they would 
be testing from dawn till dusk. Ferrari owned three circuits. They'd have three cars at three different circuits, three, four days a week. Every week, testing, testing, testing to improve. Can't do that anymore. And they basically have Bridgestone making tyres for them. On that point where, you know, he was saying, you were saying that he, you know, grabbed people left, yeah. right and centre and built this dream team. Is Lewis going to be doing that? Well, this, this, he, this is the question, right? Can he? Because I think the teams have all gotten wiser to what happened then. And now, for example, if you were Lewis Hamilton, you'd be on the phone to Adrian Newey and saying, what do you need to come and work at Ferrari with me and we could win the world championship together and turn Ferrari around. Could, could he do could that? Could he do it? Could, can he? Yes, because stranger things have happened. Lewis Hamilton has gone to Ferrari and, and Lewis Hamilton spoke warmly about Ferrari all his career and eventually, as we've just discussed, decided to sod it, let's do it. It's possible Adrian could do the same. He left McLaren to go to the then Jaguar team. That was a massive shock, which became Red Bull. So it's not, not unfathomable. But there are rumours, and Karun might know if this is more accurate than I do because it's just rumours, that, well, when Lewis was first announced as going to Ferrari, everybody thought, he'll take his engineer, Pete Bonington. He'll, yeah, you know, he'll do all that's this. what I was getting but at. But then yeah. there are rumours that it, there's a contract that says he can't take people with him. Yeah, but you know what? That if Whether Bono goes or not, he's not going to turn things around. It's, it's Because I think it's important for people at home to understand. So Lewis and Bono have this amazing relationship at the track, but it's about what happens over the that weekend at the track and the, the prep they do before and after and all the rest of it. Bono's not designing the car. And I think that's the key difference is it's about the those other hundreds of people hidden away in a building in Maranello who are coming up with this car. In their defense, let's flip it around and let's put an optimistic spin on it. Leclerc qualified in the front row the last five races of last year. So clearly whatever updates and improvements they were bringing to the car were working which boards well for this year. Uh, my gut feel, and that's why I went with Mercedes, if I had to bet on one of them, I would bet on Mercedes being the challenger for Red Bull. Wow. Oh. Big call. Karun, we've obviously spoken so much looking ahead to 2025, but obviously there's a, there's a season still in front of us. But so the 2025 shadow is still going to loom, isn't it? Because it's so unusual that there's such a big seat available in Mercedes. How much of a distraction will that be in, in this year? Because there are people being linked with that seat, like Esteban Ocon, who's currently at Alpine, like Alex Albon, who's currently at Williams. Do we think that's going to be a big distraction for people this season? I think it's just ramped up the pressure on everyone because all of a sudden, Sainz, Albon, Ocon, um, you know, there's, there's 13 drivers out of contract this year. At the end of the season. And such a big prize. And there's a big prize at the end of the 13? Yeah. Is that unusual? There's that many. Well, I think it's a knock-on effect of the fact that nobody changed seats for Mm. this year. We had an an unprecedented, utterly dull, silly season where nobody changed seats. Is that because everyone, every team is realistically building up to 2026? No, I think it's just the way the contract cycles worked out. For different people, it's just just boring, yeah. Mm. (laughs) It was really boring. (laughs) Um, But I think it's exciting, right? Because... Every time we watch one of these weekends, it's going to be this thing on the back of our minds of, oh, he's done really well. Oh, I wonder if Toto saw that. Yeah. And, God. you know, that it's just added another layer. Like, you know, for Gasly to, and Ocon to be fighting head to head. Because the other thing is, and we haven't talked about it, is what happens with Perez and, and Red Bull. Because potentially, we know there's three top teams, but we know there's seats in two of them available for 25. So there's pressure on Perez to hold on to that seat. 
Does Albon try and get back into the Red Bull? Does Sainz try and get back into the Red Bull family? He was there before. What does Liam Lawson do, for example? Liam Lawson, Liam absolute Lawson. star, isn't he? What was he going to do? Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm convinced that even though we've gone into this season unchanged, I don't think we'll end it unchanged. No. Yeah. I think there's a significant possibility that Sergio Perez, if his form carries on like it was last season, this season, doesn't finish this season at Red Bull. Who do you put in there? I, I, I can see a situation where they decide to put Ricardo in between now. But they're looking at the Constructors' Championship, Red Bull. Max is going to battle for the drivers. So I can see a situation where they maybe put Daniel in Sergio's seat and put Liam because I think Liam will I, drive some races I get that, this season. and that's what everyone's talking about. But actually, when you look at the stats, Daniel didn't beat Yuki Tsunoda last year. He, he, you know, across the races that they did together, Yuki Tsunoda outperformed Daniel. But, and my point sort of has that asterisk with it. That is presuming, because obviously, I suppose the counter that could be Daniel was very interrupted with the injury yeah. and that sort of thing. I think that, I completely agree with Karun. If, and it is a big if, Daniel shows that form again. That puts huge pressure on Checo. But Helmut Marco, the you know, the man in charge of all the driver moves at Red Bull, has been saying pretty much like almost for certainly yeah, Liam will drive some races this season. So I think that puts huge pressure on Checo. I think it puts huge pressure on Daniel. I think it puts huge pressure on Yuki. And also I do as well, with all these people floating around, it has to be said, does maybe Logan's under a bit of pressure. You know, I don't think it's assured that Logan reaches the end of the season unless he starts showing improvement. I think he will show Well, on that, I was, when I was in New York, I was talking to him and his trainer and he was saying that he's basically, he was really weak last season. Yeah, it was really interesting that. Wasn't, didn't feel very strong. I heard him say to you that he's gained five kilos. He's, an awful he's, lot. That's him and his trainer. He's, for he's, a racing driver. Yeah, he's got this new trainer, and right. all they've been doing over the winter season is just absolutely going for it, putting on weight, putting on muscle, wow. increasing like cardio. So going, he used to not be that good at running. Been running, he's done everything. Eating more, so he has to eat a certain amount of protein. Has to eat all these macros. Has to have vitamins. He's changed everything and his trainer was saying it's because once you hit the season you know this that you can't then increase your fitness yeah, you have to do it in it. that winter yeah. period because you have no time and i do think with a with a williams that is easier to drive which williams said to you they thought it would be this season a physically fitter and stronger logan Sargent. i think there's every chance because he's shown flashes of pace i think there's every chance we'll see the required improvement from him I just think it's quite possible across the grid that because there's so much change coming that we could actually get some changes mid-season. And also you have to look outside of F1. You know, you've got Oliver Berman, young English driver in F2. Um, There's an Italian driver, Kimi Antonelli, who... So, funny story, I I was up at Silverstone to, to meet some friends and popped in and Kimi Antonelli was testing in a Formula 3 car and just getting warmed up for his F2 season. He was alongside two other F2 drivers, and it was raining. And he was something like seven or eight seconds a lap faster than the other drivers. Oh, wow. And he he was... I went back, I said, I went back and sort of chatted with some of the engineers, and they just could not believe how good he was. How old is he? 
17? Oh, are you joking? 17 or 18? He's, a, he's 17 or 18. He's a teenager. Will Buxton said exactly the same as Corinne's just said, how excited he is. And Corinne's also, uh, you know, there's Theo Pocher and Frederick Vesti who've made really good account of themselves in Formula yeah. 2. There is there is now that talent level coming up. But yeah, but particularly with, with Kimmy. Honestly, I um, I parked up at Stoke Corner just on the, on the way out and watched a few laps. And this kid was just sensational. I texted James Vowles from there and went, because James has sort of, <laughs> you know, mentored Kimmy since go-karts. And I texted James and said, fucking hell, this kid is amazing. He said, yeah, I know. I've been telling you for years. Yeah. Um, Have you also seen the latest Williams? <laughs> it's, uh, We've gone for a, for a yeah. blue fade throughout the car. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so exciting. So, no, it's exciting. It's exciting. And, you know, listen, junior Formula success doesn't always translate to Formula One, but... There have been three people in these last weeks since I saw this test who I've spoken with who've worked with Kimi and known Kimi and have all said to me the same sentence, he's the best kid in junior formula since Max Verstappen. <gasps> so, so in your crystal ball? I see Antonelia Williams. When? Next year. Next oh. year. I think Sergeant will see out the season. I think Antonelli will do F2, gain experience. But you think that might be it for Logan after that? Unless he has a stellar season. Like, this is it, right? We're sitting here today and everyone's got opportunity. And that's why I come back to my point before. There's pressure. Because if Albon moves on, then maybe they want to keep Logan to have some continuity. And then it's Logan Antonelli. So, but Logan needs to, to, to Christian's point, have a really strong season to justify having that. So, but you know what? And F1's not a finishing school. And that's the point, right? F1 is not a finishing school. You have to arrive in F1 as the finished product and be ready to deliver. And that's what Oscar did last year. You know, there's this period where we say, oh, drivers are settling in and oh, drivers are changing teams. They need time to get used to it. Lewis didn't. He took nine podiums in his first season of F1 hmm. off the bat. Max didn't. You know, they just get on. And I think that's the, the, the bar has been raised for rookies by Leclerc, by George, by... Lewis, but people like that. So has anyone had a slow start and then gone on to greatness? Or do you think that, in your words, F1's not a finishing school? Has anyone had to use it as finishing school and then become brilliant? Not the elite, elite ones. Not the Pross, not the Senners, not the Schumachers, not the Hamiltons. What we're talking about in general, in sport, if you go on to true greatness, you land it immediately yeah. in mm. some form. And you you are, make an entrance. And some also you, arri you arrive with this wave. Of momentum, you know, when Lewis was coming through, Max was coming through in in F three because he went straight from go karts to F three. People, everyone who watched him in Formula three, would be texting each other, texting me, going, "Yeah, this is the this guy is sensational." But also, seats are becoming available. Um, let's look at Haas. Uh, Kevin Magnussen and Nico Hulkenberg both need to perform to keep those seats. Zhou Guan Yu, uh, Yuki Tsunoda, since they've come in, have they? lit up not really so all of these young guys coming through and I, I see an area where seats are becoming available Kevin Magnussen last year struggled at times I thought Nico Hulkenberg was actually very impressive in a lot of areas but all these guys none of those names are guaranteed to stay on into 25 and 26 and that's why you know I'm slightly annoyed about the Andretti situation I, I get they wouldn't have been necessarily competitive straight away and I, I get everyone's got their financial reasons for not having them but as a fan, I want to see more cars on the grid. Absolutely. I hate the fact that 
the F2 champion doesn't graduate to F1. And that's now happened for two years in a row. It'd be cool if it was a promotion relegation It's got to be. You know, otherwise, what is the point? What is yeah. the point of all these... What are you fighting for? What are you fighting for? At the bottom of And the I grid. think it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's really sad that we haven't got enough seats for new young talent to come through. Yeah. It's a, something we haven't actually properly discussed because of everything else that's been going on in this podcast. But, um, you know, Andretti are a team with huge motorsports heritage. They've raced in IndyCar. Mario Andretti is a Formula One world champion of the 70s. His son, Michael, has been very successful in motorsport management. And the FIA, the sports governing body, had said, it looks like, you know, we're happy for you to, to enter the sport, but Formula One has said no. Now, that decision's been hugely controversial. Um, and and I, I couldn't agree more with Karun as a fan. I grew up watching a 22-car grid, loved it. More seats for talented young drivers, loved it. And that's why I think, to go on Karun's point, a lot of fans have found this decision a tricky one to and, stomach. And, and, you know, one of the criticisms was they're not going to be, they've underestimated it and they're going to be uncompetitive at the back. I mean, I drove for two pretty crappy teams at the back of the grid, but <laughs> it gives you a foot in the door. And actually, fans kind of like an underdog story. You yeah. get all these, Love you get these fans who show up who cheered Minardi for decades probably Christian and they were hopeless I've got a Minardi jumper yep there you go <laughs> so that's that's interesting to me that you think there would actually be a fan base for a new team of course yes you know I think who would be driving in, in those cars it, it, who would you pick well they're not in so it doesn't matter but, but would you be picking the you know Ollie Behrman or would you be yeah. picking Kimi I, I, well, Antonelli no, if, if you were them yeah. you'd pick a one established driver because you want a, an established reference and then you pick a young hotshot, don't you, for the future? Also, one of the things that positively surprised me most about going to Austin last year was, so I went to Miami, which was very much showbiz and glamour, but Austin felt more like Silverstone to me. And the knowledge of the American fans was fantastic. And I sort of seen in person the growth of the sport in America. And of course, Andretti are American. And yes, we have an American team with Haas, but they don't exactly market themselves as the all-American team. They don't feel <laughs> properly American. No. So again, in terms of, Greg, you said, would it have found fans? I certainly think it would have helped engage the American market that the sport's craved for so long. So uh, speaking purely as a fan, I'd have liked to have seen that happen. Mm. But again, when I was in America, I bought a Alpine fleece that I had before I worked at F1. I had so many people stop me going, oh my God, I, I love F1. It's brilliant. I'm going to say... It was, a, it was a birthday present. Oh, I don't careful. see many people wearing <laughs> Alpine fleeces about. Oh, I like it. So they, no, but do you see, like, do you have a little cult? Do you see other people in Alpine... I don't, think I've, I don't think I've seen anyone else wear Alpine merch in this country. What no? I don't think I've it? ever seen anyone wear Alpine merch. And it's got the French flag... Uh, laden down the zip. It's a lovely. Oh, really? really nice. I went to the gym. And I, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I, it's a lovely face. It was a birthday present, and I was very grateful for it. I don't know anyone else with a Minardi <laughs> jumper as well, but I wear one. The words Alpine fleece have completely. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, hey, buddy, I love your Alpine fleece. You can laugh. And, you can laugh and take the mix. Somebody commented on a Fast and Curious Instagram post the other day saying, "Do you get paid to talk?" And I went, "Yes, I do." I really saw that. So the Alpine fleece has worked rather well, I would suggest. <laughs> Do you get paid to wear Alpine fleeces? It's, you know what? It's actually a nice, that's a very lovely segue into Karun Chandak's house, which we haven't talked about much. No, we should. So we should do a little bit of a through the keyhole and talk about some of your merchandise. I've just noticed um, on the wall some maps. I thought for a second they were circuits. They're not. They're not. But 
to the left of that, we have a, a cabinet with a load of, uh, load of helmets. Yeah. Talk us just... through your helmets. And can we pose for a photograph, each of us wearing one of them? Because there's four. Uh, you can. I don't think they smell anymore, so you probably can. I would have definitely have said no to that question in your position. I would not be letting those things out you of their grass. Squirm cabinet. a That's little slight. bit. Are we, allowed to, are we allowed to wear them? Bit. Yeah, you can wear them. Yeah. I mean, no, no, I mean, I don't have to. No, no, you can. I just wonder. I'm not worried. No, I am. Can I? Can I say something? The first thing I noticed about these helmets. So there's four in this cabinet. Okay. Um, it must be the second one. No, the the top one, right at the top. It's got his Twitter handle on it. Who is supposed to see that? It's tiny. <laughs> Who are you trying to get to follow you, got, you on Twitter? Oh yeah, when you've got when you've got onboard cameras, oh which yeah, are true. the face forward Did it work? Cameras. Did you get more followers? I can't remember. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> just just put your point out. You, you're going to let Betty Glover wear one of those. The same person who not an hour ago. With one of her first moves in this house was to spill gin all over this table, yeah. and you're going to let her wear one of your yeah. prize racing helmets. Well, at least it'll protect her head. She's not going to see when she falls over. Great point. Yeah, yeah it's very, I won't concuss myself. <laughs> so we've got the helmets. What else have you got in the house? What's, uh, the, what's got, the merch? Got some. Got books and a couple of steering wheels. Got some trophies and bits and pieces that. As we were approaching the Chandak household. Um, we noticed some books on the shelf, didn't we? You Christine? could see a Nicky Lauda book through the window. I was like, yeah. this is the right house. <laughs> uh, yeah, got my, got my little home simulator, which was, uh, which was a little project from COVID times. And I do a whole bunch of circuit design work and, and other things on it, which is... That's about fun. that, because that's, that's really mm, interesting. I think you're, that's You're designing circuits. What, what are you, yeah, so what, which ones the, have you done? So I work with a company called Driven International Base in Surrey, um, and they're the real experts. They're the architects and the people with you know, engineering backgrounds on asphalt and that sort of stuff. But I, I offer a driver's opinion and I, you know, so we, and it's, it's fascinating, right? So we, we were doing, uh, we did the redesign of Abu Dhabi before 2021. Um, we did, um, you know, we're doing circuits in North America. At the moment. We've got one in Michigan, one in um, outside of Toronto. We've got one in Hawaii ongoing at the moment, mm -hmm. uh, a couple in the Middle East, three in India. So lots of lots of projects and it's great. Like you know, you is you get a blank piece of paper and you've got to design a track and you've got to make it interesting and challenging to drive and fun and good for overtaking. And so I did the simulation on it. Um, it's good. On this Karoon, in the last couple of weeks, F1's announced it's staying at Silverstone until mm. the twenty thirty, which is fantastic. That it's staying at Japan, yep. which is fantastic. Some old classic circuits, the likes that I love, but also like the Madrid oh. announcement was met with a bit of. Um, fan backlash to an extent yep. because we're losing some classic circuits like Barcelona possibly in favour of street circuits. My view as an F1 fan is I don't actually care whether it's a street circuit or a normal circuit so long as the racing's good. Yeah. As a proper pro in this field, what do you think? Because this has been a big old social media yeah. debate. I, I agree with that because actually I think, you know, Baku's produced great racing, isn't it? It's really entertaining going to Baku. And, Va and Vegas was fantastic. Last Vegas, year. the race itself was fantastic. The Razzmatazz was, it is what it is and yes. it's, not, it's not for everyone. <laughs> but, but again, on, you know, I, there were so many people going, oh, it's all about the show and it's all a bit crap. And guess what? We live in a society where fortunately you're in charge of your remote control. If you don't want to watch all the crap before, turn it on for the yes. formation lap and turn it off for the checkered flag. You've got freedom. So anyway, but coming back to the point, the issue for Madrid is that the layout doesn't look conducive to good racing. It looks too twisty, too many chicanes. It, it looks like we're creating another processional track layout. Um, and that's not good. 
the one thing I would say in defence of the sport, because a lot of fans criticise street circuits, is the amount of people I spoke to in America who had said they'd become passionate F1 fans because the sport rocked up on their doorstep and they hadn't heard of it until F1 came to Austin. It's a really big thing. Unlike in places where I love Silverstone, but it is in the middle of nowhere. And actually when it rocks up into town, it's like, oh, this is amazing. So it is a really good way of bringing new fans into yeah, the sport. Yeah. But you know point. what? Also, racing in Barcelona has always been a bit dull. Is it anyone's favourite race? No, but no. F1 fans like to pretend it was and get outraged when Madrid was announced. But no, it's nobody's right. favourite race. Okay. It, it, and if they say it's their favourite race, it's unfortunately a lie. Shall we do some predictions, please? Oh, yeah, See who's yeah, going to yeah. be... Who, who's going to be on the money? Do we need to have a rule about not Max? Because that's a easy yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, okay. No so I think you need to make up that rule. So we need to do top three drivers, top three constructors, and a rule, you can't say Max. Okay. So that's mm, juicy. Oh. Karun, you begin. Okay. So I can't say Max. Christian, what on earth what are you doing? Here? He's got his notepad Looking at my notes from last year. I'm going to say uh, Lewis will be best of the rest. Behind Max. Okay. Wow. George behind Leclerc. So I'm going to say Lewis, Leclerc, George. Oh, I like that. Greg, do you want to go? Yep. Lewis, Fernando. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. It's because Dan Fallows is designing Fernando's car, isn't it? Correct. man, Dan Fallows, I find. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be Lewis. It's going to be Fernando. And it's also going to be the turn of Alex Albon. Ooh. I've just ignored that McLaren boys, which is probably a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be furious listening. They'll be very upset. I believe that Williams will be the surprise package of the season yep. and finish above Alpine in the Constructors' Championships. Great. I'd love that for them. That'd be great, yeah. And I think behind Max is going to be Lewis, Charles, followed by Lando. I might say... Okay, I'm going to go... It was a little hamster impression, which I enjoyed, yeah. I'm going to say... Sorry, Jimmy, when you read it, that's not going to be very nice. I know, I enjoyed it. I'm going to say Lando first, then... Actually first, or behind Max? We're discounting Max, Max, aren't we? I'm saying Lewis in front of Max. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just so we're clear, I'm not. (laughs) No, I'm not, I don't know. So I don't think Max is going to win again. This is why I'm the F1 person on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's why, why I'm grateful to have you here. There's going to be what I have to do with all me this. Me and Greg like being controversial. There, okay. could be, there could be the biggest egg on your faces yeah. ever. Exactly. <laughs> if that happens, me and Corinne will do a breakaway podcast where we just talk about F1 and eat curry every week. <laughs> with Anne Fellows. Okay, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go Lando. Yes. Hamilton, and then it's a toss-up between Piastri and Albon. Piastri. What about the constructors? Betty Glover. Who do you think will finish? Well, you know, I was about to do the Karun Chandak method and say, who do you think will finish behind Red Bull? But you might think that Red Bull won't win. Um, I'm going to (laughs) say McLaren. And then I'm going to go Mercedes. And then... Hmm. <laughs> Just to say, Greg presents a breakfast show and it's quite late. So. Well, I can't think, sorry. No, sure. <laughs> um, Dan Fallows is covering. Aston Martin. The Radio 1 breakfast show with Dan Fallows. <laughs> Aston Martin. Want to put it past him? Newsbeat now with Dan Fallows. Be a good get. 
It would be a great cat. Great cat. Uh, constructors, I'm going to go for Mercedes, Ooh. followed by Ferrari, followed oh. by McLaren. Ferrari. I'm going to Ferrari. contradict what I said in the drivers and say <laughs> that McLaren are going to be best of the rest behind mm-hmm. Red Bull, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. followed by Mercedes, followed by Ferrari. Okay. I'll go Mercedes, followed by McLaren, followed by Ferrari, followed by Aston, <laughs> followed by Williams. We just oh, wanted well, your just top three, Christian. I don't care. Followed by Alpine, <laughs> followed by Visa Cash App RB Red Bull. Followed by Steak F1 Kick Sauber team, followed by Hass. Okay. There's, I just let me point out there's also a color coding system in the yeah. way. He's oh, we lovely. know. Like we've actually, talked, we've spoken yeah. about you know, it. And this goes back to the 2010 season. The color, of course, does make that book heavier. Gonna <laughs> 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 have to start it's a carbon it gag. XR, I really appreciated that. You know, you can download these off the internet. But if I. <laughs> I mean, it's on Wikipedia. But if I, if I write stuff down. It goes in my head. So after it, this happens after each race, after each race, I just watch the eight-minute highlight package, jot down what Very happens. Very good handwriting. Thank you. And on that, I think we should draw this podcast to a very happy ending. Can I just say, I've had a lovely time. <laughs> yeah, Same. Eating fantastic food, sat here with someone I grew up watching. Like, what a lovely evening. Karun <laughs> <laughs> Chanduk, thank you so much for inviting us into your actual house. That food was delicious. The conversation was also delicious. <laughs> and we think you're amazing. We do. And uh, it's been so great to be here. Well, thank you for coming. And, uh, well, we'll maybe do it again at the end of the year. Well, come round to mine next. There you go. Yeah. Do you like dominoes? Yeah.